Just the team that plays to win for you and me. Welcome back to the Shimboner podcast. Thank you all for listening and leaving your kind reviews about our interview with Ryan Bastanak last week. On today's podcast, we've got the return of the Big Chief. Insider Word says that he's been enjoying his work in his private time, listening back and analysing his performance, rates his work, and that the podcast is going to fall apart without him. So welcome back, Big Chief. Thanks, Bazaar. That's not quite true, but it is uh, hard to get some good analysis of North Melbourne, so maybe a sneaky listen back every now and again. Yeah, just a sneak peek for the listeners. There will be some Shimbona podcast merch dropping at some point this year, and we might even sneak in a Big Chief t-shirt that you'll be able to rock all year round. Yeah, looking forward to it. We might even wear it to Blundstone. (laughs) So on today's episode, we're looking back at the 1999 flag and celebrating the 25-year anniversary of our last taste of silverware. So... We've got a Roo Roundtable today, so we're going to bring on, obviously, the Big Chief and the brother of the Big Chief. We've got Fredo making his debut on the Shin Bonus podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, boys. Good to join the podcast. Got some big shoes to fill after the big Bastanac the other day, so... So tell us about your journey to becoming a Kanga supporter and who some of your favourite players are along the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, grew up in the 70s, so obviously we've heard before, they were obviously a massive team then, and um, growing up... Uh, like Phil Baker, like he's a big finals player, loved the mouth off of the opposition, so being a kid, taking some big high marks was good to watch him. Didn't have a great career, but um, also David Dench, Peter German, uh, the Crackers, especially Phil Cracker was a favourite of mine. Matty Larkin, uh, the gave of the 90s, Schwoss, Stevens, then um, coming a bit closer to now. Petri, obviously big cunners. Wadey, even though he's from another club, I really enjoyed watching him play. And Nature then, boy. <laughs> The goat, the current goat, LDU, and then Big Georgie Wardlaw is my favourite now. So, the big warlord. Everyone's excited to see him. And at the time recording yesterday, they had the Fox Footy Productions and getting a fair look in there. Him and Cheezel and LDU. You're taking over the um, promotions for the club, or the way they're going. Those two yet lads. Yes. And Big Snake Baker. Back in the 70s, every kid in the street would take hangers. No matter what team they went for, they'd scream out Baker as they took a hanger. So that was fantastic as a North player. So growing up, the big question is, who would win the backyard battles? Was it the Big Chief or Fredo getting a number in the backyard? Uh, I don't want to pump my own tyres up. As a kid, I was three and a half years older, had the height and weight and... Just uh, could push him around a bit. It was probably a bit unfair, really. But, <laughs> but he tried his hardest, and you know he didn't suck it up. He kept playing. I reckon when the ball hit the ground, he had you covered, though. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, as we got older, I had the pace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be not be <laughs> but, hard. Yeah, you know, the umpire was Brett, so there was a bit of cheating going on. <laughs> but uh, he didn't have to cheat too much. But, um, didn't run crying to mum either if the decision went against me. <laughs> All right, so we'll touch on. The poll after our best 23, the poll was, do you have CCJ in your starting 23? 43% of the listeners do, and 57% don't. So, Fred, do you have CCJ in your starting best 23 for round one? No, he's not in mine. He's with his concussion issues. He's got to get form and fitness back, and definitely, especially form, so he's not in mine. Yep, that's fair. Who's the second Ruckman? Or does Cherry go... Like Goldie, 
90% in the ruck and we just chop out for five minutes. Yeah, well, they might have to chop with the bull or if they put Greenwood in, that's another chance, but I'm not sure whether he'd make it though, but he's been training that role, so we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I'd rather Greenwood in that role than the bull because, you know, the bull's a bit more of your Ferrari and you don't want him doing the work of the tractor. No, <laughs> exactly. We don't want... Had enough injury issues with our key players. We don't want him getting injured in the ruck, I don't think. But at the day of recording, that we just learned that Tristan Cherry's had a face fracture or face injury and going to sit the next month out. So that hurts his lead up to the season, as we mentioned in a previous episode, Chieftain, that him getting a full pre-season is a key to making a better impact as the starting ruck. So not a good sign there. Yeah, well, all I've said all along, I just want him to have a good run at it to see where he sits. And you can't get that if he's injured all the time. And obviously a fracture is no fault of him. It's not through lack of fitness. It's just bad luck. So I just want him to get a good run at it. Yeah, that's enough about Tristan Cherry. Um, The Bastanak interview, how did you find that? Uh, Great work. I was going to say that at the intro, but I couldn't get a word in. Uh, Really good. You know, you stood on your own, you didn't need the big chief there, um, and it was really good. Uh, what a ripper bloke he seems to be. And, you know, to come on a fan podcast where we just throw opinions about about our favourite subject, North, and he did he did really well, and you did a great job uh, dragging it out of him or interviewing him. No, I appreciate that. Thanks again, Basti, for coming on and taking a chance on a fan podcast and sharing it about on your various socials. We really appreciate that. So we'll quickly touch on the match sim that happened last week. Uh, obviously, Dersma and Son of God, Cooper Harvey, kicked four apiece. Um, how much weight do you hold to pre-season match sims against intra-club? Not a great deal. To quote the great Dennis Pagan, it's like dancing with his sister. There's not much reward for the effort at the end of the night. And, you know, they're playing on their mates and all VFL fill-ins. It's a lot different to playing the quality opposition. But it's something they have to do, obviously. But I don't put a great lot of weight into it. Still good to see the young fellas making an impact, I suppose. But as you said, it's gonna the real test starts probably in a couple of weeks when we play actual opposition in pre-season hit-outs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. See how they go against Collingwood first and then the Saints. I'd expect really good effort against the Saints. Yeah, the wind down on a raven would be a nice way to kickstart and enter the home and away season. As long as they don't turn the sprinklers on the day before like they used to in the 80s. <laughs> to soften up the ground and make it a bowl, bring other teams back to their level. But as I said, that was back in the 80s. Right, so let's get into the whole reason we're doing this podcast, celebrating the last flag we're involved in. So coming into the season, obviously freshly off the 1998 grand final loss that we don't like talking too much about. Boys started one and three in a bit of trouble, then went on to win 10 in a row and 16 out of their last 18 to finish 17 and five for the season in second position. All Australians from the club that year, we had Byron Pickett, Peter Bell, and the All-Australian captain was the King, Wayne Carey. So we move into the qualifying final against the Power. It was the old finals format, so second versus seventh, similar to what the NBA roll with still these days. Defeated them 100 to 56. The King kicked six. Boomer kicked three. Steve-O kicked three. What were your memories of that game? Uh, the King. I remember, I think I might have been fairly tied up to half time from memory. 
what is it, 25 years ago, so I'm testing the memory. Um, yeah, but then the king, he was, you know, it was like Jordan in the basketball sense. He was just a level above everyone else, and he just, you know, took the game away from him. And we won comfortably in the end. And Steve, as always, gave 100%. Yeah, and it was a wet day, so not a great day for football, and there wasn't a huge crowd there either, about 36,000, which was probably disappointing. Yeah, you wouldn't say that happened these days, I don't reckon. Obviously, the how hard footy tickets are to get, particularly in finals time. So move on to the prelim. We take on the Lions, touch them up 123 to 78. It was 12 points up until three-quarter time, and then the last quarter, eight goals to two, even spread of goal kickers' disposals. Any memories of that game? No, once again, just that it was close. But, you know, we, our class, I think, shone out in the last quarter. We stormed home, which we had a habit of doing back then because we were a better team than everyone else. So class, you know, always shone out in the end. Um, and when you look back, that's a really good win because that was the Brisbane side that went on to dominate the early 2000s. So it was a really good win and showed how good a team we were. And obviously the game with the Jason McCartney suspension... Do you want to tell the listeners who probably weren't either alive or old enough to remember about what happened there and why he missed the grand final? Oh, uh, Jason McCartney, late in the last quarter when the game was well and truly over, went for a typical roundhouse spoil on Clark Keating and broke his nose. So obviously got him high with a clenched fist and uh, copped a suspension for it. It was a silly thing for Jason to do, and I'm sure he uh, regrets it because we had the game won. There was nothing in the game from it. And in that same game, we had the injury to Anthony Stevens. What are your recollections of that one, Fredo? Oh, well, shattered, just with it's Steve-O and he's a gun. But I'm um, just thinking, well, if we win, win this preliminary, we're not, probably not going to have Steve-O because that was, he went off, and you know if he goes off, he's actually hurt. And looked to be no chance for the grand final, I thought, at the time. Yeah, it was devastating. What was the actual injury? Do you remember? Was it a? Well, it came. They just said it was like ankle ligament strains, but it came out later, a few months later, or whatever. They'd actually broken his foot, <laughs> and he um did a test with Pagan. Apparently, at Thursday night training, if you can stand on your foot for you know a few seconds, you can play. But apparently, he fell over, but he still played him because he just couldn't couldn't not play him. He's just too much of a gun, really, with his courage and that. So well, that just epitomises the courage that he played with and. The fact that he still had the impact, as we'll get to in the first couple of quarters, that he did playing with a broken foot is incredible, really. You wouldn't say that happened in today's footy. There'd be 12 to 18-week injuries, but yeah. I suppose a different game now. So for our younger listeners out there, and myself included, who haven't seen the club back on the last Saturday in September, what was the build-up like to the grand final in oh, the whole week? That's really good. It's really exciting when you make it. You got the Every newspaper's got North all over it, so that's really good, but... Then you look and you know you, like I said, haven't got Stevens. Probably definitely won't have McCartney. Then on good old Jared and Mike on Monday night on their show, they roll out some footage of Mick Martin giving um, Simon Black a bit of a jab to the eye, which um, wasn't too good. So they basically hinted to the AFL, you need to have a look into this, which they did do. Um, but credit to Simon Black, he did the players' code and said, oh, there's nothing in it. So. AFL just sort of let that one through to the keeper, but that would not happen now. He would definitely be out of the grand final if it was now Mick Martin. So we could have lost both our key defenders. We talk about not having any now. Imagine a grand final without <laughs> yeah. You say that you wouldn't get away with it now, but I reckon if it was P. Cripps with the Carlton lawyers, I reckon he'd be all right and probably get off. A bit like uh, Hamill that year, well, Chief. Yes, Hamill. 
for those who don't know, Carlton won by a point over Essendon in what they they regard the same as we regard when we beat Essendon in 2014. It was just great. Everyone loves beating Essendon, don't they? Well, they don't win many finals. That's no, nice. they're irrelevant now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Hamill dropped the knees into the back of an Essendon player's uh, head. Yeah, it'd be minimum three-week suspension. He got found guilty. And then the Carlton, you know, big jacked and he got his lawyers together and they appealed it and they threatened if they didn't win the appeal, you know, they'd go to the uh, Supreme Court and get an injunction so they'd play anyway. And I think North's plan, you know, with our little legal aid lawyer was just to jump on the back of that bandwagon with McCartney and hopefully he, he'd play or they'd both play. Funnily enough, AFL crumbled and Hamill got off on appeal. I don't know how because the vision was so clear. So he could play. McCartney, he was out. So good old AFL. Couldn't stand up to the might of the Carlton lawyers. And Hamill played. And he's a key player for them. So that was a bit of a blow for us, especially without McCartney playing because he'd probably be the likely matchup for him. Yeah, well, karma hit for Hamill. He got an absolute bath by Mickey Martin that day, as we'll get to. But He did. Karma's a bitch. Yeah. Sucked in, Carlton. <laughs> and the big chief, you made your way over with... A friend of yours, Nathan Hack, who was a Carlton supporter, to go to the grand final and do the whole week celebration. So what are your memories of that? Yeah, shout out to Hacky. We both decided about mid-year that we'd go to the grand final. I uh, see so you made the decision before. Oh, yeah, well, before we'd organised our flights and accommodation where we stayed with his sister over there, um, her family. And we, the biggest worry was getting tickets because I was a member obviously been a long-serving member, but I didn't have rights to grand final tickets. Hacky wasn't a member, you know, just a float-in-and-out blues supporter. Yeah. Um, no, he is a, he's a keen cult man, but he wasn't a member. So I managed to track down an old fella in Launceston who had the appropriate level membership but wasn't going. He kindly gave us his two tickets. So we got over there. We... Went to, we did the whole thing. We went to the parade. We went to the training, which uh, Fredo mentioned about Steve O. And North training was first, and we're down at Arden Street, sitting next to Robert Walls, who was uh, one of the scribes, ex Carlton player and coach. Uh, and when the boys ran out, and you could see Steve O hobbling along behind them or in the middle of the pack. He's obviously had a very good jab to get out there and do a little bit of a run round on the captain's run, and the crowd went off. They, they were so excited to see Steve because we, we thought he was no chance to play, and at least this gave us some hope that he played. He's such a heart and soul player for us, and more than that, he was a very, very good player as well. Key player in our lineup. Um, and then, so we watched North. We, I say, we say to the end, and then Colton were training a bit later over at Princess Park, so we ran. To Princess oh, Park, and I had to do the right thing by my mate. He was there to support his team, so yeah, we ran over there. We missed the first half, and I wasn't that interested to be fair. But we watched Carlton train, uh, and that was that was it. Then uh, the, on the big big show day, we got there and we were sitting in the Great Southern Stand, which is now the, of course the Warney Stand, Shane Warne Stand, and we're on about level three. Because we had the North tickets, our whole bay was North. That was good. There was a Colton Bay beside us. People were dressed up to the max in the face paint and the overalls and blue and white. Yeah, a lot of our one of our listeners actually commented on Facebook that um, he had the face paint rolled on for the 
99 and 96 and 98, which we don't talk about grand no, finals. No, we don't talk so. about 98. But, um, yeah, so that, that was my memory. So I was, you know, inside the uh, the 50, where in the third tier on the end that North kicked to in the first quarter. And I had a great view of, of the uh, first goal we kicked from Shagger. Shagger Grant was coming right at me. Just going back to going to Carlton training, I suppose one positive for you there is you actually got to see big... Fats Whitnell actually touched the ball because he didn't do much on grand final day. <laughs> no, he was more interested in the catering after yeah, training, yeah. I think. Got a bit of a touch, in, a few touches in the junk time, and yeah. Archer was spewing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> filthy Archer. Didn't yeah. he hate having people outmark him, even if they're five metres ahead yeah. on the lead? And I reckon there was that, we'll, we'll get to it a bit later, but in the third quarter when old Fats Whitnell finally touched the ball and kicked a point, Archer screamed at him and would have given all sorts of abuse, had a I reckon he missed it because he was fearful if he kicked the goal, he might have got belted by Arch, I reckon. Yeah, so. and if you, I think the first quarter he dropped an easy chest mark because he thought he just knew that he was going to get a clip to the back of the head or around the punch to the stomach from Arch because that was his, his uh, MO when he got outmarked. He'd certainly make him earn it. So going into the game, some of the key matchups were we had Archer get, taking on, as we said, Fats Whitnell. Um, the, the most publicised one would have been Carey and Silvani. Yeah, absolutely. Two of the best in that position in the history of the game. Mickey Martin taking on Hamill and then Anthony Kudafidis going up against Corey McKernan. Yeah, probably David uh, Parkin's worst decision ever as a coach, I'd suggest. And another one I was worried about, and I reckon Fred was the same, was Matthew Allen, who was the All-Australian Ruckman in form against Capiano who was you know, a good, solid citizen ruckman, but um, Alan had a fantastic year, so I thought that was a real area that they could uh, get on top of us. Yeah, it definitely was, because um, if Alan got hold of Capuano badly, probably McKernan has to go and give him a chop out. That leaves Carey sort of one owner's the only tool in the forward line, which sometimes doesn't end well, gets swamped with defenders. Yeah, and going back to Cooter on McKernan, the reason, I mean, McKernan's a very dangerous player, so that's a, a good matchup to put on him because Cooter's very athletic and tall. But he was the whole reason they made the grand final. He absolutely flogged Essendon on his own, pretty much. And it was a massive weapon for Carlton. And then to play him in a defensive role, well, thanks very much. You go and put him at centre-half back on one of our best players. Much better than having him running through, free through the midfield and causing a heap of damage for us. So thanks, Parkin, for that. Or was it his little mate? Britain. Yeah, little mate Britain Probably might was. have been his move. Well, Kudafidi's in the midfield. If he was on, he was unstoppable. There's no one for us that can tag him or anything. He was just too tall and too strong. Yeah, really. six foot and, three. And could run. Yeah, six foot three, could run, pick the ball up one-handed. For, for our younger listeners, think Marcus Bontempelli. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that's fair call. So let's talk about the game. First quarter... First thing I notice is how good is the commentary? Big Bruce, he is on fire, and Sandy Roberts in his peak as well. Really good. Free-flowing footy, no stand rule, no bloody umpires talking nonsense all through the through the audio. Free-flowing, as I said, no chip kicks, just getting the ball forward at all costs, and bloody tough over the footy. How contested was it? It was, as you say, win the contest and get it moving forward, whether someone's running past a Kingy or a Harvey with a handball 
or just mongrel it up forward as quick as you can. It was great to watch. I hadn't watched this game for a, a long time, a few years, and it was just a breath of fresh air to watch it when I watched it yesterday, just to refresh my memory on it. And, yeah, just tough, tough and free-flowing. It was fantastic. What do you mean? You haven't enjoyed watching replays of the Noble Era and watching <laughs> Aiden Core come in 40 metres behind his opponent? I haven't watched any replays of the Noble Era. Not one. Well, I doubt I doubt I have. How many wins do we have? Yeah, not many. I was thinking the King of Marvel, well, that was Patchy's first game. So. Yeah, no, but... I mean, it's just, it was just a different game, wasn't it? And how good was David King with his run? He, and strong, you know, bust a tackle, then run, have about five bounces and kick it long and choppy pick it. His work but to beat his opponent and keep his balance and pick the ball up off the ground or keep it in front of him, fantastic. Um, I'll let Fredo talk in a minute, but just to finish off, the, the back line really kept us in it. Carlton were, were firing at us and... Uh, Backline kept us in it, and then you know Shagger got that goal, and then Kerry out, Mark Silvani got a goal, and we, we started to get on a roll. Yeah, well, we'll cross to Fredo because it's not the Big Chief podcast. <laughs> it, is, it is the shin bonus podcast, is, but what? Yeah, so oh, like, yeah, like most grand finals now, even at the far start, it's very chaotic, lots of tackles, bumps, but there's lot, there's diving on the ball. You could do that then. Scrappy, lots of nerves. People just kick the ball basically anywhere as long as it was forward. Remember, Carey had an early dropped chest mark, and thinking just, oh, don't be like, don't be not on today. We need you today. But um, um, Pickett, like uh, Chief was saying before, outbodied Lappin crucially early. I thought that was really good. Silvani beats Carey on a one-on-one. Then um, because Harvey's kick wasn't quite up to scratch, bag and boomer there, but it wasn't. And a lot of repeat ball ups too early. But then, like Chief said before, Carey eventually got a good mark and got the first goal on for the day so that was good looking back it's good to see the old bit of space in the center square when they ball, ball it up to yeah, and not yeah, just definitely. the throw up contested sort of the the rucks sprinting at each other yeah, like gladiator long, sort of stuff long run-ups and then you also have basically six on each wing charging in as well so it's made it very tight sometimes to get once the ball's out though there was space for the forwards to work in yeah when the contest get it out to space was the go for both teams wasn't it and i Neglected Capiano, he was outstanding in that first quarter. So many contested marks. And Shannon Grant, obviously, lethal left, kicked that awesome goal, which was actually the second goal of the game. Big Chief, before the listeners go crook at you, the duck, the king, our greatest player, Wayne Carey, kicked the first of the for us of the day, ratting the first for the Blues. Was that the goal head goal then? Yes, must have been. And that was um, important for Shannon Grant. He'd had a shocking grand final against Dutch, which we don't care about in 96, but in 98, I think he was pretty poor. So it was important for Grant to actually do something in the grand final. Pressure was definitely heaped on him by the media for that one. So quarter time, 3-3-21. We lead Carlton to 1-3-9. So 12 points up, quarter time. Enter the second quarter. And it's all Carlton to start the quarter. Yeah, as I said before, backline really stood up. It was just getting pumped in there all the time, and we won more than our fair share of 50-50s. Uh, you know, Archer, Pickett, Lee, Mick Martin leading the way. And I think the free kick count was, you know, Carlton were getting the run of the 50-50s. Even Jared Healy on the uh, commentary noted that. We're not sooking about it, but, you know, it'd be nice if we could get the better run anytime soon. 
Yeah, you know it mustn't have been great if the commentators, particularly Healy, was speaking up about it. Speaking of commentators, can anyone shut Dipper up on the boundary? If you listen to the replays, oh, Camparelli's on his own on the wing, oh, interrupting the play all the time. Shut the F up, Dipper. You're meant for quarter-time updates, that's it. You can't string three words together at the best of times, so just stop interrupting the play, please. The big chief spoken, he's... Not grind my gears, Don, but he's he's got one for you, Dipper. So not that you commentate anymore, but thank God. Yeah, <laughs> lift. So Carlton kick three quick goals, game back on. North need to respond, and then we get a response from Corey McKernan. Takes a great contested mark, about seventy meters. He kicked the ball, big booming goal off the Boomer Harvey assist. I think is that right, Fredo? Yeah, that's it. Harvey got the clearance out there and. The rest is history. Yeah, rocking the glove too, Boomer. Yeah. Look good with the with the glove on the paw. Yeah, uh, changed the uh, tide there. That goal from McKernan came from nowhere. You know, you don't expect someone to kick it that far from. It was just on the line of the square at the MCG, and fantastic. We kicked straight that day, which would have been nice if we would have done that in '98. We would have had two in a row, but anyway. Yeah, we can't talk about that day and all the constant behinds that occurred but this is a celebration podcast it is so let's get up and about yeah how good we did see um steven's got his bicep torn early in that quarter but he still plays keeps playing at that stage and um noticeable limp still but he's still trying to get involved and also about that time kingy goes on one of his big runs four bounces bit of a seller candy at 50 has a shot from about 55 could have been immortalized but he kicked it almost sideways to nobody but <laughs> Great run by Kingulate. It was pretty. The crowd was pumped. It was pretty awesome, but pretty couldn't finish it. But good effort. <laughs> and then later that quarter, we saw one of the all-time debacles with the touched off the boot. Shoal takes the mark. Everyone thinks he's taken it. But yeah, key the goal square. We kicked a lot of goals from close in, didn't we? Yeah, that but, was. But uh, the, the, no one yeah. heard it, and then he was walking back, and then all of a sudden there was a ball up, and no one really knew what was happening. No, well, I mean. Obviously, one of the umpires saw a faint touch, and you've got to call it if you see it or you believe it. So that's just you know another bit of bad luck for us because yeah. that would have been a certain goal. On replay, they did show the replay, and it did look like Silvani got a finger to it. So might have been payback for '93 for Silvani when he reckoned he touched the long kick. Yeah, and he they jumped, didn't call it. Jumped up, like carried a on. Fish out of water. Yeah, he carried on. Um, the second half of the quarter, we started to get back on top. Though I've got. Um, and Simo played really well, I thought. He was very good. And I've got written down here, Grant, roving masterclass. Two roving goals to get us back the ascendancy. Yeah, and how was his left foot? We talked about him in the previous podcast as one of the great left footers and just a goal-kicking left footer at half forward. You know, would go through the midfield, but mainly half forward in this game and obviously kick clutch goals. Didn't miss them, kicked them all, and you know, future predicting why I'm so keen to get the Cheezel up there in the forward line because he will play a very similar role. He's just class finishing. It's also another good Corey highlight about a minute after the other one. Um, Simpson was actually playing really well, was doing some really good composed kicking. Kicked a long one to Corey, outmarked Kudafidis, then just walked back and slotted through a nice banana. So he was actually on fire at that stage and looking really dangerous. So six goals to four. 
in the second quarter. We had a 20-point lead at the half, 58-38. to 38. Who were your best players in the first half, Chief? I've got Kingy. I mean, not just in awe of how he played the, his whole career. That was a good sample of what he did his whole career. Same with uh, Pickett. Grant, you know, cameo goals, kicked him, didn't kick points. McKernan, the same thing, strong. Capiano, he's worked in the back line, especially in the first quarter, intercepting mark after mark. And uh, Simo was really good. What about you, Fredo? Uh, Who were some of the yours that you had? Yeah, I've got my best, not in order necessarily. Um, Pickett got the seven posies, beating Lappin, as I think was his only one goal was on him. The other one, Pickett wasn't involved. Um, got Shannon Grant, 13 and 3. That's just elite for any game. Obviously, Grant final even better. Big Corey, two goals and the presence he was providing. Simpson, 12, and using the ball really well. Kingy, 10 disposals, running very hard forward and back. And Matty Capuano, had 11 disposals, especially the first quarter, steadying in the defence. And Allen wasn't out of control yet. Allen was winning the hitouts. And, and obviously I'll add Archer and, 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 and Mickey yeah. Martin both flogging their opponents as well. So then we entered the Premiership quarter, as Bruce said, at nauseam about how important the Premiership quarter was. And he proved to be right as it changed the game and set up the win for us. Going against the flow a bit early on, I think we kicked one and then Carlton went bang, bang. And then McKernan again, another massive goal against the flow to Steadius and a masterstroke from Dennis Pagan that changed the game a little bit, Chief. Do you want to elaborate on that one? Yeah, well, I remember sitting in the stands and Kerry hadn't done a lot, certainly by his standards, to half-time. And he moved him in the middle, and I thought, great move, Dennis. Like, you got to get your best players around the ball if they're not having an impact up forward, and that's exactly what he did. Um, really got on top, round the ground, and changed the momentum. I think after that McKernan goal, we just had all the momentum. Our small forwards were kicking goals, uh, crumbing it. We were dominating play, and you're never home to your home, but I was feeling pretty good sitting up there. Question we need to ask before we get into more great North memories is: Did Hackey leave early, or did he sit through it? And no, well, we'll get. I was going to get this after the game, but he was a good mate. He sat through it, and he sat through all the presentations at North that I just soaked up and the lap of honours and stuff. So he was a good mate. Cause yeah, I, I, I don't know if I could have done the same. I don't reckon the big chief would have been sitting there listening to the Navy Blues song for five hundred times. I reckon it would have been stormed straight down to the no, local, local I, pub. As much as it would have hurt, you you got to look after your mates. So I appreciate him doing that for me. And, you know, I was going to talk about this at the end, but we went off and had a, quite a few frosts that night. So it was a good night. Yeah, him to him to forget and you to celebrate, that's for sure. So another, my favourite moment of the third quarter, none of the goals, it was big Mickey Martin grabbed the ball and absolute steam train through about two or three. And it was all absolutely awesome to watch the big fella Straight line speeds his go. No, not not a quick turner or no, and a like a Mack truck turning that, around, but he you wouldn't want to be in his way when he got going. No, he'd just steamroll everyone and then mungle it as far forward as he could. That was his go. Yeah, not not no touch kicks there. Who'd have thought he started life as a full forward with that kick? But that's what he did. But he made his name obviously in the back line and was a great full back for us. Yeah, that for me that was the play of the day. I've got it written down. It's got just before Mickey, you've got Pickett, a goal-saving chase on Lappin, which he would have kicked, would have got it back to a bit too close. Mickey barges past Brown and Ratton, thumps a big helicopter to Simpson. 
Simpson long to Welsh, takes a good mark, moves it on quickly to a hard-running Peter Bell, who's probably run halfway up the ground, and marks and drills at home, as Bruce said. We're up by six goals. And, and you got Pretty some stats. Pretty confident. <laughs> you got some stats there of Peter Bell's third quarter. Yeah, the, the, the big chief, the other chief, Dunstall, on the footage I watched yesterday, he's 15 disposals for the quarter, which is insane. He's not getting any cheapies, he's just working his ass off, basically. He's a bit quiet in the first half, but yeah. he really lifted when yeah. it mattered and when the game was there to be won. And Carey's little patch on the ball, he had uh, seven possessions on the ball and all very composed possessions, setting up other players, so, which is what you expect from him. Yeah, Carey was a very good user for a, a big man, a key position player. He was a great user, user, good vision, and could hit his targets, hand or foot. I think Simo as well had, a, had another good quarter, another one who stood up in the premiership quarter just from watching back. Yeah, Simpson and Bell really had a big impact covering for, you know, Steve-O was running around with one arm and one leg and <laughs> couldn't have his usual impact, although he was still, you know, out there helping the rotations. It doesn't get talked enough about in just general footy chat that someone played a grand final with a broken foot and a torn bicep. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, that's Steve-O to a T, you know, club first, mates first, but he'd do everything he can. Got to mention too that the big horse Longmire got on for his first run that quarter when Capuano went off with a bit of a knee complaint, saying big cheer from the crowd when he came on because everyone loves the horse and it was end up being his last game in 200. So that was pretty good. Got a bit of a pump up on commentary too, I think, yeah, from Bruce. Yeah. So for the quarter, it was six goals to two, and we entered the last quarter with a 43 point lead. And you would have been feeling pretty pretty confident in the game. Yeah, the big chief was up and about with the North supporters. Uh, it was just, you know, sit back and enjoy, just celebrate and enjoy. Something would have to go horrifically wrong for us not to win. And So you don't appreciate how lucky you are because you can get to do that in the grand final. I can't remember the last time I got to watch a North game, just a home and away game where you can sit back. We seem to only win if it's by under 10 points and there hasn't been a whole lot of winning either. So No, your nails would be fairly short, I reckon, whereas... Uh... Whereas I could just sit back and relax, although there was a very soft free kick to Whitnell early in the uh, quarter, which resulted in a goal, which I uh, wasn't too happy about, but we had a big enough buffer to absorb him, that sort of Did you make silliness. your feelings known to the uh, official? It was Scott McLaren, was it? Oh, Scott McLaren. Did he ever have hair? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I think that was his debut grand final, and yeah, his big landing... Helicopter landing pad on top for poor old Scott. So, Might have been a Jack Marnie sort of operator. Just yeah. <laughs> losing at a real early age. Poor fellow, he must have been stressing. I'm talking about stressing, I think Fredo's got a story about the great Glen Archer. Oh, apparently Big Arch before the game couldn't didn't used to sleep in the house. He used to sleep in his little shed or something out the back. Spewing all night, couldn't sleep. He's just too stressed about the game, but obviously performed on the day, but... Obviously, he would have been shattered that Whitnall got a couple of softies in the last quarter to give him a couple of goals. Have you seen the vision? He's not happy yeah. at all. He's not happy every time he touches it. And he was stressed about Whitnall, you know, getting hold of him, kicking eight, nine, ten goals, and him being the reason we don't win the premiership. But Arch oh, played a great game. Kept their best forward to, what, two cheapies in the last yeah, quarter. he's undersized to play on Whitnall too. Well, we're all undersized on Whitnall, yeah. old fats. <laughs> Did he blow up? He ain't a balloon. A hot air balloon after he retired. Large. 
What about what else in the last quarter stood out to either of you guys? No, oh, just well, I was watching at home, comfort of the couch. I was pretty relieved at three quarter time. I think oh, we pretty should be able to get through on this one. I was just also relieved that redemption from the year that didn't happen twelve months ago. But um, that, I think most of the players said that as well. Yeah, same. Sitting up there, just happy they kicked straight. They brought their goal kicking form to this grand final, and uh, it showed. So the final score, North 19-10, 124 to Carlton, 12-17-89. Fourth premiership for the club, ended the decade as the best team, clearly the team of the 90s, redemption for the year before. Yeah, well that was in a previous pod, on, I mentioned that I watched 98 and it was devastating because we were clearly the better team all year. Kicked ourselves out of it when we were dominating. Just kicked points after point. It was horrific. And, you know, I made a promise to myself, the only way I'll ever half get over this is if I go the next year and watch them live and win. And it did, it happened. I mean, we were probably short odds for it to happen, but it still has to happen. And on the day, they brought their best form. And I was very happy. And uh, Cam Mooney won a... Played in, the, played in the game, premiership medal, and had donuts. Not a single stat. No, it's hard to get him on the bench, and that's where he spent probably 95% of his time. I mentioned uh, earlier in this pod that um, they helped with the rotations. Well, that was wrong because there were no rotations back then. You started on the ground, you stayed on the ground until you upset the coach or got injured, and then someone would come on. So it wasn't like today. Dennis would probably get away with 10 rotations for the game, I reckon, if they had to cap it. Yep. And another one who had unheralded bit of impact, especially in the third quarter, just touch handballs, was Boomer. I don't know if it just stood out to me more as he was the one I mainly watched out of that team in my day, but another good performance from Boomer. Very young, very light too. Looks like he's about to go to, down to Flemington and jump on a horse. Well, pretty much, and he'd had a few pre-seasons by that stage. But, yeah, that was his breakout year, 99 Boomer. He, the famous uh, playing for the Big V and kick five in the wet. In South Australia, brought him to the broader media's notice. After his 21st birthday too, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was on his 21st. Yeah, he couldn't drink yeah. the night before. Yeah. Well, back then they made up for it after the game. Yeah, um, it was awesome. yeah so Boomer was very good. He was like right on about the sixth, seventh best player in every quarter. He was giving a lot of run from the wing and you could see then that he was, you know, had, was a class act and was going to have a good career. It was also good... Um, the big duck got the took a really good one-hander, holding out Silvani with his strength, grabbed it in just the palm of his hand, slotted our last goal, so it was like a perfect way to finish. He kicked the first one, he kicked the last one, and excellent. So, Norm Smith medalist, Shannon Grant, do we all think that was fair? I, I do. What about you guys? Obviously, Peter Bell was a contender, as well as yeah, a I'll, couple others. I'll, I think it's fair. I was pretty... I mean, he set up the, the win, three in the first half out of seven or eight or whatever we kicked very dangerous coming off a couple of poor grand finals by himself so that was really good peter bell i don't think he touched it in the first call but after that he was elite and choppy Pickett was very close as well for me they'll probably my three for the anyway yeah i can't argue with that i think you've summed it up beautifully i mean grant's goals were clutch when the game was still on the line um and bell's third quarter was elite and choppy all day was fantastic so Bell, 31 disposals and four goals, but 
we still think Grant with four and 19, just the way he changed the game, particularly in the second quarter with those yeah. two roving goals. One with the big leg, Shane Warren-style leg break. Yeah. That was a bit of fortune, but we would do that after well, last year, after sorry, the previous year with so many crucial misses. So a bit of luck needs to go your way eventually. Yeah, yeah. Belly, he could have had five. He missed a sitter for him, and he was shattered. He put his hands in his head like... He said, "There goes Norm." Yeah, there goes Norm. He might have. It was a bit. It was in the last, but they. If you don't work on the last quarter, Dennis will have you on the bench. So they're all still chasing, tackling, smothering, and doing all the hard work. Probably in the last real couple of minutes, they probably got into the happy celebration mode. I think. Yeah, but a really good game from most. Is there anyone who probably didn't do their part? We don't really want to touch on too many negatives, but was there someone who was probably not on, not at their best on the day? Oh, well, I think we've already spoken about Cam Mooney, but, you know, he started on the ground but was soon off and then didn't really get much of a go. But he was only a young key forward. It's a big occasion. And they're, they're not kicking it to him, are they? They're going for McKernan or Carey first. So, I, you know, I don't blame him. That's just the way it was back then that you sat on the pine for a long time. Yeah, that forward line at the start was Carey, McKernan and Mooney that started the game and then they just had to take Mooney off. It wasn't doing anything wrong. I think the ball went near and they brought Scotty Welsh on a bit more mobile. Yeah, and I thought he played really yeah. well, Scotty Welsh. as just, you know, as a replacement for Mooney and a, probably a bit player, not a, not a star at that time. And he got traded the next year, I think, and I was a bit disappointed because he showed a lot and he obviously went on, had a fairly good career of Adelaide and then to the Bulldogs. Yeah, and Brett Allison probably didn't do a lot. He he had a bit of an up and down year, and he got, he left the club at the end of that year as well. But um, and Shane Clayton probably had a shocker. He did he made a couple of mistakes, and they pretty much Dennis pulls you off straight away when that happens. Yeah, not a whole and, lot of um, room for error there, you know, is there with Dennis? And I think Motlop he got a couple of cheapies, but I mean he got to kick him still, so he. he did, probably didn't play as much as the others, but he did a couple of things, which is okay, and he was still pretty young at the time as well. So you sing the song about 100 times, watch everyone get their medals, watch them do the lap of honour. Did you stay for that, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. Then what? Ha- what what's the night look like for the big chief after the North well, won the flag? A, a few uh, beverages, Yeah, quite a few. It was, you know, late night. Um, went out with Nath. He was drowning his sorrows, and I was uh, celebrating, obviously. But the best thing was... It was a really good mood from both sets of supporters. Like they'd be drinking in the pubs together. I think Carlton were really happy that they had a really good win the week before in the prelim and knocked Essendon out. You know, no one's fans of Essendon, and Carlton and Essendon got a very good rivalry. Well, that was almost their grand final. Well, I think before. it was in on reflection. And the other thing was, it was the first time there'd been two Melbourne teams in the grand final since '95, which Carlton won over Geelong. And since then, you know, we'd had bloody Adelaide. Um, so, two Victorian teams, two inner city teams, and yeah, the feeling around the town was really good. Yeah, you gave me a call. You probably can't remember. I remember that the other day. You rang me from one of the pubs. Oh god, no, I can't remember yeah. that. What no, it was good because you could just said, "Oh, there's North supporters here everywhere." You know, obviously you have to yell to talk to me. It was yeah, we just talked about the game, and that was it was good. Well, I'm yeah. surprised you could understand the big. No, chase could no. <laughs> Lubricated yeah, throat. Hacky, Hacky was there with him. Wasn't sulking, but yeah. No, I said no. I remember that it was you could hear all the atmosphere in the background. It sounded awesome. I actually tried to get tickets, but couldn't get any, so stuck watching the TV. But I'll take that. Especially. We've passed over it a bit, but what are the chances you and Hacky getting tickets in the middle of the year? And both your teams playing? Yeah. Well, both were probably touted as being top four. And, 
yeah, we took a punt. Like I said, I made a promise to myself that that was what I was going to do. And Hackey was happy to come along and, you know, pretty confident in Colton. We're still a good side there that they'd make it. And yeah, it was the preliminary final day was awesome, or the round, because both our teams won. So we thought, well, this is perfect. And then, you know, negative on the, on the shoulder says, oh, what if they bloody lose over there? And you're stuck over there with all the yeah. current. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, it would have been a nightmare, but, you know, luckily I didn't have to live through that. We'll have to give one Carlton player a compliment. Our former coach from eight rounds this year, Brett Ratton. We love Rats. Did a great job taking over from Clarko. He played a really good game. Too. He did play well. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. His yeah. one Carlton player will give a bit of credit because he's still a bit of a shinboner at heart. So. Yeah, he's got a bit of shinboner, yeah. isn't he? So that team, we... Played in three grand finals in four years. Obviously, a lot of A-grade talent that we had at the time. Yeah, if you look through every line, there's A-graders, back line, you know, Martin, Pickett, Archer, to name a few, midfielders, Steve-O, Simpson, young Harvey emerging, and obviously forward line, McKernan, Carey, uh, Grant. So you look at the A-grade, you know, absolute A-grade talent they all are, and hopefully this young crop, we've got now in 2024 will be similar and we'll view the beginning of our next premiership right now if we can hold on to those A-graders and develop them appropriately. We can only hope, Big Chief, but we might leave it there. It's a great trip down memory lane to celebrate the last time we tasted the ultimate success. Hopefully we'll be having a podcast in the next couple of years to a raw one straight after the game and a few froths and celebrate our fifth premiership success. So we'll leave it there today, as I said. Got some exciting things coming up. We're going to do a shim bonus podcast tipping group so we get all you guys involved and see who can predict the winners the most. We've got the shim bonus medal, which will be voted on by myself and the big chief every week, 54321 for the best player of the year. If you guys have any good names for the medal let us know any ideas creatively we're not sure whether we're going to call it after the podcast or after a formal player so send in the best ideas that you've got um, I'm, I'm thinking the bastonet medal at this stage he was your first guest and he was a ripper yeah basti what a bloke i know we've said it a couple of times but awesome interview with him if you haven't seen it or listened to it check it out it is a really good chat um, merchandise. We'll have some bumper stickers coming out of the Shimbona podcast. Um, have a hat and a and a shirt in the pipeline, as well as a bit of Big Chief merch. I think he's taken over the podcast. He thinks he runs it now. He's it's all about the Big Chief. If there's a if there's an episode he's not in, he reckons that the numbers are going to plummet down. So yes, find us on Spotify and leave a rating if you can on Apple Podcast. If you can leave a review, if you're enjoying it, or just pass it on to a mate who you think will enjoy the podcast. It just helps the ratings and reviews get it out to more people so that we can grow this community and hopefully get more guests on in the in the future. But in the upcoming episodes, we're going to do some crystal ball previews. We'll review the preseason games and the, and the match sims as they come along. But um, yeah, find us on social media across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Shimboner Podcast. Yeah, that's about it for today. Hopefully you enjoyed the chat with the Big Chief and Fredo about the 99 Premiership. Thank you guys again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us on, boys. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, stay safe and go the Roos. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. 
Love Melbourne is the team that plays to win for you and me.